0: Let me pray for us as we get into this. Father God, we thank you for your special uh, attention to us this morning. We thank you for your, uh, your presence this morning. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've taken the time to communicate to us. We thank you that you've taken the time and you still take the time to speak to us and to lead us and to guide us. Father, we think that, think about all that's going on in our world right now and how confusing and how unsettling so much is. And we ask that the, the peace of Christ would settle on our souls, that you would drive out any fear, you would drive out any anxiety, because we know that as your people, that's not where we live. And we ask for boldness and power and love, for a pursuit of glory, your glory in this world. We pray that you would increase and widen and strengthen our joy. We pray that you would just overtake all that we are, that you would see, let us see everything that happens to us, everything that's said, everything that is going on around us or in our lives and or in our hearts through the lenses that you want us to view it with. Praise you, Father that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and we want to submit to you in, full, in fullness for that in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you, I'm reading a good book, and I bought a little handful of them back there, so they're back there on the shelf up on the top. Uh, it's called Another Gospel, uh, and it's by Alyssa Childers. And I'm liking it. I'm only halfway through, so she could say something totally crazy at the end, and I wouldn't know it. But I don't think she's gonna. I've I've listened to her quite a bit online and things like that, and I like her. So, um, but another gospel, it's back there. If you wanna, if you wanna take it, you know, if you're tight on money, take it. Just take it home and read it. Uh, maybe bring it back and put it back up on the shelf. Or if you want to donate something, you can put it in that little black box there. But I'm reading a lot of good books lately, and I'll probably keep telling you guys about those as we, as we go forward. But this is our second sermon in uh, a four-part series called The Story, simply the story. And today we're talking about God's glory, or God's actually greatest glory, and our greatest joy. God's greatest glory and our greatest joy. Uh, the mission of God if you didn't know it the mission of god and our joy even our happiness are sort of inextricably linked they are linked let me say that twice the mission of god in this world and our joy our happiness as his people are linked together there's something in there that is linked philippians 4 uh, verse 4 says rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice 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 in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So it would seem that God wants us joyous, right? That he even sort of commands it here, right? Specifically, though, it does tell us to rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. So happiness or joy is intrinsically found in in the lord not that we can't enjoy people places and things of creation uh but ultimately our joy is rooted in the lord as creator of all good things right for instance kim and i as you know were out paddling through the everglades a couple of weeks ago and kim hurt her back so i had to stick her in the bottle of the canoe and paddle out and it forced us to stay overnight in an unexpected place and then leave really early in the morning at 4 30 in the morning while it was still dark for about two hours Paddling through the Everglades in the dark with alligators around you is a little unnerving. But uh, about, about 10 minutes into the journey, I realized the water was lighting up all around me. And it was bioluminescence. And it wasn't supposed to happen at that time of the year and not in that area. Total fluke. So for about two hours, I got to enjoy just light bulbs going on every time I hit the water. And I just thanked the Lord for that moment. It was such a wonderful little moment in my life. And it it brought me joy. It was something that was really special to me. You know, Psalm 1611 tells us how much God desires our joy and our pleasure when it says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore, right? Or forevermore, actually. God wants our joy to be full and absolutely complete in Him, which has everything to do with His presence in our lives. Now, Jesus speaks of this in John 17, verse 24, where He prays, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. So He longs for that relational connection, right? He longs to be with us. And and to see my glory, He says, the glory you have given me. Now the key to joy is being in God's presence, witnessing His glory. Right? And the only thing which really completely satisfies our souls. We search for it in all other ways. But this is the place where it completely satisfies our souls. So I want you to form that neural connection this morning. I want you to leave here with that connection made. That God's glory is the only thing. Is the only thing which brings deep soul, complete soul satisfaction, right? But I want to change that word fullness to greatest, just for own purposes of the morning. They mean the same thing pretty much. When we, when we see God's greatest uh, glory, we have our greatest joy. When we can see God's greatest glory in this world, we will have our greatest joy. By the way, we haven't gotten there yet. God's glory is God's glory. We know that. It can't be any greater. It can't be any lesser than it is. It is always the same. But we do not always see it completely, or, or we, we have not seen it completely, I don't think, all the time, right? 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says, we see in a mirror dimly. Well, what do we see? We see God. We see God's glory in a mirror dimly. But later we shall see face to face. In other words, we will be right in the presence of God in all his glory at some point in time. God wants us to see how glorious he actually is. His greatest glory, right? He wants us to experience that. And this is the connection I think that we need to get. When we see his greatest glory, we will have our greatest joy. I'm going to keep saying that so it gets embedded in your little psyches and mine as well. But if he desires our full joy, which it seems like he does from his, his word himself, right? Then he would endeavor to show us his greatest glory. Don't you think? Right? There's one simple, strange sort of biblical principle to understand how this comes about. That God reveals greater glory when he unifies that which is diverse or divided. That that deserves a second read. God reveals greater glory when he unifies that which is diverse or divided. Right? So think about how you feel when you see those videos of a soldier coming home after two years of not seeing his family. And his kids just embrace him. Ugh. Or his wife runs to him and just you know jumps into his arms, you know, or his dog, <laughs> right? You always see the dog like wagging their butt around and they can't stop moving because they're so they're so happy to see their their owner, right? When we see reunification of people that have been long divided, or, or better yet, when we see true, absolutely true real repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation of peoples that have been divided or, or, or uh, you know, torn apart, there's an overwhelming sense of joy in us. I know you know this, right? I feel it we all feel that. Think about a couple on the verge of divorce, right? They've been married for years, but right now they're hating each other. They're filled with anger and derision and bitterness. And somehow they allow us to sit down with them with the Scriptures, and, we, and we, we share the Scriptures with them, and God opens their eyes, and suddenly, for some strange reason, love and forgiveness start to reign again in that marriage. When those things happen, God gets more glory in our eyes, right? And not that He's any more glorious than He was before it happened, But we see His glory more clearly through these experiences of life. When we actually see the gospel working. You work with a Hezbollah or a and and an Israeli soldier, both filled with decades or even centuries of hatred and bitterness for each other, and you share the gospel, you share the word of God with them, and suddenly God opens their hearts and their minds to see him clearly, and they come to Christ, and they find healing and forgiveness through all of that, and they lay down their guns, and they gather with that couple who were formerly going to get divorced and they all worship together in harmony in your church revealing god's glory even more and every time you see them together in the church you start to feel that and sense that more diversity you know, unified through his power through the power of the gospel add to that a hindu from the highest caste and one from the lowest untouchable class of society in in uh in India or whatever, and they come to know the Lord and they join arm in arm again with the other four in your church worshiping and we see God's glory in even greater ways, don't we? An angry black youth and an angry white skinhead both are drawn into salvation in Jesus and their hearts are cooled, their thoughts are cooled and they forgive one another and they embrace each other and they worship side by side, in your church, would that not be glorious? When more diversity is united, or division is united, we see more of God's glory. The more of God's glory we see, the greater our joy. And that is the linked principle. Nothing gives us that much joy when we see those things. It's why He wants to show us God wants to show us his greatest glory. He wants us to see that. And we haven't seen it yet. And when we see it, we will experience our greatest joy. Now, I'm talking a lot about joy, but this is still a sermon series on God's mission. Right? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, God said, basically, that he wants uh, people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation in this world to be worshiping before his throne, Right? That that's our commission. He could have said 70% or 80% or 90% of the peoples, but he didn't. He said every single one, since any out that we are given, we tend to take. We naturally don't share with other people groups, people not like us because of the language and the cultural barriers, the differences. We typically stay to our own, but we're called out of that. We, when, we, when, we, when we think of only our own or, or in percentages, we, entire groups of people are just left out of God's kingdom. And we won't see the greatest expression of God's glory if that's the case. When we're there with people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, we'll not only see uh, some of God's glory as if he only reached the Jews at that time, we'll not only see God's greater glory as if He reached the Jews and maybe a few of the people groups around them, with people from every single tongue and tribe and nation, from the whole world, when all diversity is united together under the blood of Jesus, all worshiping Him, then and only then will we see God's greatest glory and will we experience our greatest joy. Your greatest joy will only be realized when you see the awesome, awesome power of God in redeeming people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation of this earth, all diversity united under the blood of the, the, blood of the Lamb. Now, let me be clear. Diversity united, not erased. I didn't say that. I didn't say he's erasing us and making us all homogeneous. The, this is where your imagination brings you into a greater appreciation of God's glory. Imagine all the different ethnic groups. I love this image. I go to this image to worship time sometimes. All the different ethnic groups of the world standing before the throne of God, singing praise in their own language, in all their wonderful different colors and diversity and expressions of faith. Wouldn't that be cool? That's going to happen someday. Remember, we're viewing our Bible as one book with one introduction, one story, and one conclusion. Not 66 different books. But our reading glasses that we're using have two lenses. God's greatest glory and our greatest joy. Right? And in the introduction, God created diversity at the Tower of Babel. You remember all that? And then we see God using one man, Abraham. We talked about this last week. And his descendants to unify that diversity out in the world. Not erase it, but to unify it under Christ. And then upon Christ's return, we will witness his greatest glory in the fulfilled promise to unify all peoples, bringing about our greatest joy. God's mission has been given to us including our role in how to reach the nations right it's a global call it's greater than anything we've ever planned we could have ever planned for our lives and at the end its end result is our greatest joy God hints at the creation of this diversity in the introduction of the Bible. It, it's found in the, in the very first command, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. He says, and God blessed them, right? And there's, there's that, that idea of blessing again. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now the words filled the earth are important given how long that would take. See, God knew uh, that we would be around for a great length of time, right? Language changes over time. We know that, and we're you know, we've seen that happen. You know, our language right now is changing quite a bit, isn't it? But it begins with accents, and it begins with new words that develop, and uh, and new ideas that come into being, and new words are are coined. And over thousands of years, or even even over hundreds of years, new languages form. We know Latin is a dead language, right? Nobody really speaks it anymore, but from Latin, multiple languages were birthed. We, we have French and Spanish and Italian and Portuguese and Romanian and Catalan and all these different languages. And with all those different languages, diversity is created. Diversity and revealing his greatest glory through unifying that diversity were always God's original intention. Let's look at further at how God creates diversity, right? Um, after after the flood, we we know it says that mankind began just like in the in the, in the former uh, when they left the, the, the Garden of Eden. Mankind mankind began to grow and to multiply and things like that and fill the earth. And God then directs our attention to Genesis eleven chapter one or Genesis chapter eleven verse one, which says, "Now the whole world." had one language and a common speech one language and a common speech simple fact but it has very profound implications everyone up to this point spoke the same language there was not us them mentality there was only one us there was only one group one people one nation one culture if they held the olympics at that time there'd be nobody else to play And at that moment, there was potential for God to reveal his glory, but not his greatest glory because there was only one people. It'd be like Michelangelo only doing one painting in his whole life and you'd not be able to enjoy the whole body of his work. Or maybe better yet, it would be like only ever having one Great artist in the whole world. And there was no, one, and no other artist in all the history of the world. Only one person paint a bunch of pictures. And we can only see that person's work instead of the, the incredibly diverse work of all these different paintings and sculptures and things like that. Thousands and thousands of artists across the history of mankind. Being sinful, mankind at that time wanted equality with the only other them that was out there and that was God himself and so they began to build this tower reaching up towards the heavens in defiance of God and you look at Genesis eleven three through 4 it says this they said to each other come let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly they they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar and then they said come let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. God wanted them to be scattered. And God saw two problems with this. He's Firstly, uh, you, you, know, you just look at all the personal pronouns in there and that represents the, their increasing pride. How, how, how their, their heart and minds are centered on, on themselves. And we know that our pride destroys our relationship with the Lord. Their pride could have gotten to the point again where God would have judged them another time. And he's already said he's not going to do that, right? And the second problem was that their outright disobedience in their saying, let's not be scattered all over the face of the earth. Somehow they knew that united together, they could do more than if they were separated in all these various people groups. Yet in staying together, their pride would grow so much that God would have to judge them again. So seeing those two things, and out of love, God protected them by swiftly bringing about what should have taken centuries to happen. He kept them from being judged, and in one moment, he created all the diversity of the nations. Taking one language, he broke it down into various languages at the Tower of Babel. No longer was it mankind against God, now it was Uh, you know one group against another group against another group trying to make their way in the world and there were approximately 70 different linguistic groups created at the tower of babel if you count them up in genesis chapter 10 genesis 10 and 11 are two accounts explaining basically family lines and languages and the results of the tower of babel hebrew writers commonly wrote about uh the same event twice you know, this is why there's this account of uh, the uh, two accounts of cre- creation in Genesis chapter one and two. And then we have this repetition here in 10 and 11 and in other places in scripture as well. But what happened at the Tower of Babel was not an act of judgment. It was rather an act of mercy in a sense. God didn't judge them due to their pride, but he allowed them to live. Did you know you don't really deserve to live in the eyes of the Lord? Did you know that? It is the truth. God's mercy allows you to breathe that breath you just took. It was his plan from the very beginning to create diversity. Mankind was his masterpiece. And God paints in the diversity of color. He doesn't paint it monochromatically, right? In just black and white or just shades of gray without any color. He, he, he paints a diversity of color. And so ends the introduction to the Bible, right? But realize the significance of what has happened right there. That God has created diversity in the world and now he has the potential to reveal his greatest glory to us and through that we can have our greatest joy. That's where we're going. Remember in God's promise to Abraham he said two basic things. First, he wanted to bless them. He wanted to bless Abraham, and through Abraham, God would use that family line to bless all the ethnic groups of the face of the earth, the, the top and lo- bottom line of the covenant, if you remember that. Top line, God's desire to bless, it's, who, it's what he wants to do, it's who he is, it's how he reveals his character and his glory to us. God loves to bless you with time and gifts and talents and money and basically all your needs, but most of all, God loves to bless you with himself with His presence in your life. And here's where our greatest joy comes from, right? With, with blessing comes the bottom line part of the covenant, the bottom line responsibility to go and to bless all nations. Somehow it's God's will for our lives to be involved in bringing the gospel to all nations. But it's not usually in our thinking really it's not you hear it in christian phrases like this to know jesus and to make him known good good right that sounds good that sounds wonderful or the second one and i've said these your vertical relationship to god your horizontal relationship to others i've said that as well right these are phrases that are correct but they are incomplete they are absolutely incomplete We need to modify them to be scripturally accurate, biblically accurate. To know Him and to make Him known to all nations is biblically accurate. Your vertical relationship to God, working on that, and also working on your horizontal relationship to others of all nations is biblically accurate we do the same thing with scripture by the way uh often people will have a little plaque on their wall when you go to their house if they're a christian and it says you know uh, it, it quotes part of isaiah 56 7 it says for my house will be called a house of prayer never mind that it's not really talking about your house your physical house it's talking about the temple of the lord at that time but that's what it says and it's a good sentiment there's not nothing necessarily anything wrong with it but For my house will be called a house of prayer, dot, dot, dot. It it ends there, right? But they never include the last phrase of the verse. But my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You cannot get away from this in the Scriptures. Until we add that phrase at the end of these things, to or among or for all nations, our ministry has some purpose. It's not incorrect. It's not wrong, but it is incomplete. It is incomplete. Your role on this planet is to somehow be a part of touching the nations with God's glory. Because he's pursuing the goal of giving us the greatest joy by reaching all of them. The Abrahamic covenant forms the foundation for the story of the Bible, which runs all the way through the scriptures like a set of railroad tracks. One rail is the top line, God's desire to bless us, and the other rail is the bottom line. Our responsibility to go and share those blessings with all nations. It, it, if one track is missing, that train derails. just doesn't keep going. And many churches try to run on one track. Many Christians try to run on one track. God's desire to bless them. Without understanding that that brings a responsibility to go and be a blessing to all nations of the earth. And as a result, they're not pursuing their fullest joy. They're really not. And those two things, God's glory and our joy, go together always. They always go together. That's the link. You know, whenever we think of the promised land... We think of a land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds kind of wet and sticky, but it does sound kind of, you know, full of everything you need, and even more so, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. It's an image of blessing, which refers to the top line of the the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic promise from Genesis 12, 2, and 3. But wherever, remember, wherever there's a top line blessing, there's a bottom line responsibility. And we tend to think that God said to the Israelites, you know, I want to bless you guys. There's some prime real estate over there in the Middle East. Just go, settle in, kick all those other people out, and I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to bless you more and more and more and more and more and more. But let's understand God's bottom line intentions of the promised land. You may not know your geography and all that stuff, so I'll tell you a little bit. If you were going to look at a map of that that time and that era, you would find that the majority of trading routes, major trading routes, went right through the promised land. And it's a very interesting fact. If anyone in what is now Turkey would want to trade with somebody in Egypt, they had to go right through the promised land. If anyone from one of the stands, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan. I was in Tajikistan, by the way. Wonderful place. And uh, they wanted to trade with Egypt right through the promised land. That's where they had to go. And in passing through the Promised Land, the, these Gentile nations, all these other nations, may have noticed the Jews praying for them at the temple, the house of the Lord, due to Genesis chapter 12 and due to Isaiah 56-7, right? And they may have inquired about what uh, about the God that the Jews worshipped, the Israelites worshipped, and asked for a blessing from that God, because it was typical to do that. And maybe they would sit over coffee and talk about the names of God, which reveal His character, uh, and, and the jewish guy might say well you know we got one name like jehovah jireh it means god provides and the other guy might say well does your god really provide and he'd say he would say yeah you know what this last year was our jubilee uh, year of jubilee and we took the entire year off we never planted one single crop and we still got grain to trade with you <laughs> on your way to egypt right And they'd be sharing with Gentile after Gentile after Gentile, nation after nation after nation about the one true God of the universe. And this is why it says in Ezekiel 5.5, This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations, with countries all around her. There's a reason for that. The promised land was strategically located in the center of the nations because God is using people to reveal his greatest glory for our greatest joy and for their greatest joy. And this is why Jesus was so upset in Mark 11. If you've been here long enough, you've heard me preach on that passage. And, I, and, and, you know, somebody might think it's a unique take on it, but I don't think it is. You know, when he's all mad and he's overturning the tables, it was not a lesson on greed. Not at all. I mean, he's not happy that they're being greedy, but what he's really upset about is that Israel was not being a blessing to the nations. All these Gentile nations are coming through there, and this is the house of the Lord, and not one of them see Israel praying for them, and not one of them get to be witness to about who God is. All they're doing is exploiting them and robbing them of their money. That was the real reason Jesus was so upset, and he overturned tables, and he quoted that. My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Right? So a land flowing with milk and honey, top line, strategically located in the center of Israel so that Israel could bless all those nations coming through there. bottom line responsibility of the covenant promise. Let's look at Psalm 67, 1 and 2. Verse 1 has become the common benediction for many churches. I have it right here printed on my little thingy and it says may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us nice i want that i'm sure you want that i'm sure everybody wants that and we grow up we want god to be gracious to us bless us and have his face shine upon us who wouldn't want that but that's it that's all we pray because the benediction always ends there. There's an amen. It's correct, but it's incomplete without verse 2. Which says, verse, verse 1 is the top line, right? God wants to bless us, and where there's a top line, there's always a bottom line. Verse 2 represents the bottom line as a purpose clause as to why we are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. And it says, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Blessing always comes with that responsibility to go and to share it with others. And what's behind it is God's desire to give us our greatest joy by seeing his greatest glory in unifying all the diversity of the world. So he's blessed us with homes and with cars, with education, with time, with you know, uh, gifts and talents. And mostly he's blessed us with himself. He desires us to use all of that, not only to reach people like us, which we should be reaching. We should be reaching these people all around right here, but also all the other people groups of the world. Maybe that'll mean having an international student over for dinner. Maybe you can contact the local university and say, hey, we just like to bless these kids. You know, we know they can't go home during Christmas, especially right now with COVID, they can't travel. What do they do? They sit around. A lot of them would love to have a home-cooked meal. They miss mom back in Pakistan or wherever they're from, right? And when things open up again, I'd love to send some of you on a short-term mission to, uh, you know, to, to, to visit our missionaries in Morocco or Lebanon, maybe even Indonesia. Possibly God may even call one of you to long-term, uh, full-time cross-cultural missions, right? Maybe you have space in your home, like Kim and I do, to take in international borders or to foster international children. And I know Bethany Christian Services is looking for more people to do this. We are always looking for people to do this. Maybe it means finally inviting your neighbor over for dinner, uh, you know, especially that, that person different from you, that Indian guy down the street or the Pakistani guy down the street, you know, who who seems so different from you, and you're so intimidated by it, ask. Right? I, uh, I was at the farmer's market, and a uh, guy walked up behind me. And he says, ah, selamat pagi pa. And I said, oh, pagi pa. And it's my little Indonesian friend. And, I, and he said, you know, we started talking in Indonesian. And he said, Baba, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I, I, I'm a pendeta. I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, <laughs> And I said, what are you, you know, are you orang Nasrani or are you orang Islam? And he said, oh, orang Islam, pa. and I said, well, you should come, come to church, come to church. I'd love to have you come to church and I'm going to bug him. I'm going to keep bugging him. So he lives right behind me. I didn't know he lived right behind me until we started talking more, you know, uh, I know refugees that need help with acclimation and laptops and cell phones and furniture and jobs and clothing, and I'm d- discussing this stuff with people right now. Um, as a matter of fact, if you have old cell phones or laptops right now that you'd like to donate, I'll get them there. So let me know. Um, of course, you might see me like on Craigslist selling it for like 500. No, I won't do that. I'm just kidding. Um, we're also going to be participating in the Second Chance Month, you know, uh, this coming April with the Prison Fellowship Ministries for those reentering society after incarceration. we are I don't really know what that means yet. We're talking about it with them, but, you know, how we're going to promote that and, and help and, be, you know, be prayerful about that. 6 is exploring, you know, various ways right now to be a very practical blessing and to share Jesus with others, including our desire to host an alpha course hopefully this this coming fall i hope we can do that it might it might be a little longer depends on how how uh, we can bring things together Um, i'm also talking about someone coming to preach one sunday and then do some training on evangelism and discipleship making to prepare ourselves for all this stuff Uh, we uh, if you don't know we are involved in the kinship partnership with Many other churches who support uh, two organizations with great works in the MENA region, the Middle East, and North Africa region. Last year, the partnership, I think there's like 11 churches in it, of which we are one, gave over $339,000 to the work. And uh, a healthy chunk of that was from us. Like 20 dollars $25,000, something like that, I think, was from us. Um, money makes a difference in the work of the Lord, right? It does. And and they just sent us a list. I've got this list here, and there's I think I put a a few copies, but this is the kinship partnership. This is not stuff we post online usually. I th- what I'm saying here is not is okay, but um, there are all these different opportunities that we can we can invest in, like uh, media equipment for uh, some studios that they have, clothes, shoes, toys for kids. You know, forty three bucks a child or six thousand dollars total they need. Uh, humanitarian aid, as you know, Lebanon was hit with that big explosion, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, Kurdish projects you know all these different things there's just so much that we can we can be involved with and we have a goal at 6 Eight to at least be at 10 percent of our church or our body church giving to go to missions I would love to see that it go even higher 20 25 percent you know things like that but I don't know who knows what, where how high we'll get but we the the point is that we've been blessed to be a blessing and we want to carry that mantle really well we really do and so this central theme to the biblical story is extremely important, and it is pl- it's applicable to everyday life, right? Now maybe we can understand the words of Jesus a little bit better when he said in Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom will, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we know what's got to happen before he comes back. Every single nation, every single people group out there has to be, uh, the gospel has to be brought to them. So there are two reasons why God wants all nations reached before the end comes. First, if God doesn't reach all the nations, he'd have broken a promise to Abraham and he would be called a liar or maybe even worse yet, a failure for all of eternity. And I don't think God's going to let that happen. His greatest glory won't shine until all those nations are reached. And that's what He wants. Which leads us to the second reason God wants all nations reached before the end comes. If His greatest glory doesn't shine, our greatest joy isn't reached. And because God loves us so much, He's committed to this since His glory and our joy are absolutely inseparable. Our Bibles are meant to be read as one book, With an underlying theme of God revealing His greatest glory, giving us our greatest joy. It has one introduction where God creates diversity, one story where God unifies diversity under Christ, one conclusion where God's greatest glory shines and our greatest joy is fulfilled. Each time we should go to the Scriptures, each time we sit down to have a quiet time or read something, we should see God's heart for the whole world. And the big picture of how God wants to ultimately use our lives in that mission, in that that task, you have been blessed with a purpose. I'm not sure we all realize that totally yet. So contemplate that. Pray on that. How you can use right now your blessing to be a blessing to someone from some other nation and ultimately experience more joy. And don't let that overwhelm you. You can't reach every nation yourself, but you can do little things. You can be praying. You can be giving. You can be going. Some way, shape, or form, you can be invitational to somebody. So let me pray for us on that. Father, we thank you that You have given us a purpose. We thank you that your greatest glory will be shown. That is a promise. And we hold to that promise. We want that promise to come to fruition. And we also want to experience our greatest joy by seeing all of your glory. Every ounce of it. We long for the day to be reunited, and, and for all diversity to come under that umbrella of yourself. Come, Lord Jesus, glorify yourself. Let us just be overtaken and enamored with your love, with your presence in our lives, and the joy that it brings us. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, I, I decided there were so few announcements that this week, I wanted to just go ahead and do them. So I, I forget what order they're in, though, so you're going to have to give me the slides. Okay, we are in the middle of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't know if you know Vineyard USA, the national leadership, is is in the process of choosing another national director. By the end of this year, they'll, they'll, Phil Strout will step out. He's been in there for a while, and he just wants to step out. And, and uh, they're also restructuring, though, because the Vineyard has grown. And it's just too unwieldy with the number of positions they have in place. So they're choosing a new national director, but they're going to have four assistant national directors that have different parts of the country under their purview. And and then more people under them and more of these roles will be actually paid positions. Uh, and historically vineyard has run very, very lean. And so, uh, but we want to give these guys the opportunity. A lot of times they are full-time pastors that are doing these jobs on the side. And we just, it's just too much for them. So, uh, be praying for that. We're going to February. Well, we're going to today. Today it ends, right? Yeah, that's right. Woo. All right. Well, you can fast for lunch and dinner and, um, but just be continually praying for that. I know they have four candidates that they're looking at, and I won't give you your names, their names because you probably wouldn't know their names anyway. Some of you would, but not all of you. And uh, they're, they're looking to make the decision between these four guys. So uh, that's the first thing then. Okay, Ardmore Food Pantry. We have historically collected uh, food for Ardmore Food Pantry. There's going to be bins. There's one bin out here now. We're going to add more bins out in the hallway out here at the top of the stairs. They're looking for non-perishable items like cereals and spaghetti sauce, canned meat, soup. Uh, this list is in the newsletter. If you're not on the newsletter list, please email admin at 68.org and get on there. But um, you can also email me, Jason, at 68.org, and I'll, I'll get it to you, but... Um, they 're looking for all these various uh, things, and they 're kind of specific about what they get like don 't buy the giant thing of mayonnaise right if you want to give mayonnaise. they want small bottles because you know it 's just too much for one person to get or something like that, so things like that but it 's pretty clear there, and then uh, there are uh, different ways to give it six eight the best way, the most simple way, the easiest way for us to track and keep and make plans for the future is through Breeze. If you're not on, on our Breeze system, please email Kathleen at admin at 68.org and get in there. But you can also just go to our giving page and sign yourself up for automatic funds transfer. That's the, I think that's the best way to have the least amount of funds given to the bank and not straight to the church uh there's a text to give option through breeze as well venmo we have a venmo account we have a uh, we have a square card reader back there which isn't up here and then we just do take checks and cash in either that black box or mail to the church and i think that's about it right all right so uh yeah that's it amen well uh i just want to kind of two things really quick uh I apologize for, the, it's not too bad today because it's like 50 degrees outside. I apologize for the heat. We're working on that. We, we're working with Good Shepherd about that, you know, to get that reinstated. It probably won't be this this winter. But we're, we're running heaters in here just to keep it, you know, livable. Some of you have made comment about that. It's in process, believe me, but for some things got changed and it's not working. So we're, we're, we're working with them to get it back up working. Um, and then there was one other thing that I cannot remember because I am so ADHD that things fly out of my head as soon as I think about one thing. So uh, go and be blessed. Have a great... Oh, I, I just want to say, be praying for our search for worship leader. Uh, uh, Richard is, is standing in here. He may be our guy. He may not be our guy. I don't